you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to open to Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Solomon is the king. There is this village girl, and she describes herself like this in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. And I might add that this story that I'm telling you this morning briefly is the story, too, of your salvation, of your walk, dare I say, your romance with Jesus Christ. Yeah, did you know that? Walking with Jesus is a romance. Hallelujah. Remember I was telling you about Hannah the other day? Do you remember? See Hannah there, little girl? And she asked me what love is, or was it? Yeah, she asked me, what did you ask me? I can't remember. That's why you should never tell stories when you haven't prepared it and put it in your... (laughs) We're going down the road and she said, what's romance, Dad? And I said, romance is love. And do you remember what she said? I romance you, Dad. (laughs) And you're still romancing me, aren't you, Hannah? (laughs) It means she loves me. And God wants to romance you. And it doesn't matter who you are and where you come from today, I'm telling you, God wants to romance you. Do you hear that? He wants to love you. And this is a love story. It's about Solomon and a village girl, but it's about you and it's about God. Let's look at it. Verse 5, the woman says, this village girl says, I am dark but beautiful. A women of Jerusalem, dark as the tents of Kedah, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tents. Don't stare at me because I'm dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me. They forced me to care for their vineyard so I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard. The girl, if you looked at her, she was brown. And, and apparently in Israel, back in those ancient times, being brown was not something that was attractive. Now, I actually happen to like brown girls, Liska. <laughs> Shall I get you to stand up? <laughs> Guess what colour she is? She's brown. It, it amazes me, you know. It doesn't matter what colour God has created, us, we want to be something else. Amen? <laughs> So you come to Australia where a lot of us are, uh, you know, like Andrew and me. We're, we're, we're white. In fact, we were in the sun on Thursday filming. We were on the ferry. And I actually watched Andrew turn red. <laughs> and he had a hat on and long sleeve shirt. He turned red. And I, I, I thought to myself, oh, lucky I haven't got skin like his until I got home. And guess what colour I was? <laughs> I was red too. We, we get sunburned. But you come to Australia, people, white people, they're lying on the beach so that they can get what? Brown. Okay, so you go to Asia or some of these countries where they're brown, they're taking potions and putting stuff on their skin to be what? White. White. What is wrong with us? God created all of us. Black, brown or white. Beautiful, amen? amen. But she's feeling, she's feeling that, well, my skin is brown and oh, I am beautiful, but... Uh, but don't look at me too hard because my brothers made me go out into the vineyard and I had to work out in the vineyard and that's why I got brown. Sometimes I think when we look at God and we think he's looking down at us, I think we think he sees something that is ugly. 
And I think we do that because we concentrate, we're looking, we're concentrating on ourselves. Oh, I'm falling into that sin, or I'm doing this, or my, my stomach is too big. Well, it's not, it's actually looking pretty good these days, but <laughs> my stomach's too big, or my nose is crooked, or I've got a receding hairline, or look at my face, God just did, whatever it is. It could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be in your heart, it could be outside. We look at ourselves and we say, we're just not worth anything. No one could love me. Things I've done, the way I look, it's not how it is. You know, when Solomon, he disguises himself as a shepherd. And he comes into this village and he looks at this brown girl who's been working out in the vineyards. This is the king of Israel. He goes, wow, she is Beautiful. It's like the first time I saw Liska. Truly. Did I ever tell you that story? I had to go to a retirement village one Sabbath to, uh, to do a sermon. I didn't want to go. Shame on me, Lloyd. I go to the retirement village. Oh, hallelujah, the way the Lord leads. Amen. I go to this retirement village and Liska gets up to sing and I thought, wow. See, Solomon, wow, this girl's beautiful. I had some wisdom, not a lot, but some. I inquired whether she was single or not, and hallelujah, praise the Lord. That is history, and it's good history, brother. When God looks at you, no matter where you've been, listen to me, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter... Hear me, no matter what you think of yourself, when God looks at you, he sees a beautiful thing. Amen. 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 He sees you as beautiful. Well, you might think I'm too dark or I'm too light. I've done all these things and how could God look at me? Stop it. God thinks you are beautiful and just as Solomon wanted this girl God wants you amen he wants you and so I don't know how the story goes exactly but Solomon's out on the hills looking after the sheep she's in the vineyards looking after the vines and growing the grapes and they begin to fall in love now I say they begin to fall in love. This powerful king disguise, this beautiful young Israeli girl, and they begin to fall in love. You see it in Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 14. Now, I'm skipping pretty fast through here, but I want you to have a look at it. Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14. Solomon, my dove. That's an affectionate name that Solomon has for this young Israeli girl. We all have affectionate names for those we love. I'm not going to tell you what Lizka calls me and I'm not going to tell you what I call Lizka, but we have them. He says, my dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop on the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice for your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. Now, now and again, Andrew and I will go um, and check other churches out, Sunday churches. And we do it because they have some approaches to church that we need to learn from. Amen. Uh, 
One of the churches we went there last week, they have a fantastic way of welcoming people from the car park into the church. And so we learn. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we're there the other week. We don't do it a whole lot, maybe once, twice, three times a year. We're there and this young preacher, and he was a fiery preacher, he gets up the front and he's talking about romance, kind of what's happening here between Solomon and this Israeli girl. He says, I want to give you some advice with romance. He says, you've got to have the three Ps in your life. Do you know what the three Ps are? He said, men, you've got to pursue the woman. Is that right or not? Well, that's what he said, and I believe it. You have to pursue. I had to pursue Lizka. Oh, did she give me a hard time? I had to pursue her. Actually, she pursued me a little bit too. I'll tell you a very quick story because I know we're running out of time. She loves me telling these stories. You know what? I, I had wandered away a little bit, as men do, and had my. I was looking in the other direction. And, 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 and she put up on Facebook, I am going for a motorcycle ride with such and such a boy. You know what? That got my attention. <laughs> because I'm a man and I, I was a, I pursued, you know that within five minutes of reading that I'd rung her up and asked her on a date, not long after I bought a motorcycle. <laughs> And we've been riding together ever since, eh, baby? Actually, I'm not supposed to use that word, baby. I keep forgetting that. Right. This pastor said, you've got to pursue. Men, pursue your woman. God will pursue you. Amen? You're sitting in this church today because God pursues you. You're watching this online because, or, and on television because God pursues you and he pursues you because he loves you. Solomon pursued this girl. She's hiding behind a rock. He says, I oh, know you're over there. Come on. He's pursuing her. He said, you got this, this pastor. Get, let's get back to him. He said, you've got to pursue. He said, men, you've got to pay. <laughs> I'm saying it again. Men, you take a girl on a date, you do what? You pay. You pay. Well, I see some of my tight, stingy mates. I remember one guy. He takes a girl on a date at the end of the date. He goes to pay the bill and it's for, say it's $42. He says, well, you owe me $21. Bye-bye. <laughs> I never did make you pay, did I? But you certainly made me pay. <laughs> and she still, you know, when we go out, I still pay. It's my credit card. Doesn't matter how full it is, I pay. Amen. And Jesus paid for you. God paid for you. We sung about it. He came down. He died on the cross. He paid an incredible price for you. And if you think you're not worth anything, you go to the cross. You read John 19, 20 and 21 over and over and over and let the Holy Spirit personalise it to you. God paid for you in blood. Amen? In blood. So he said you've got to pursue, you've got to pay. And then he said you need to pray. Men need to pray for their women. Amen? Men? So many marriages will be so much more fulfilling and powerful if men would pray for their wives.
Wives, you pray for your men too. But men, pray for your wives. Pray for your girlfriends. Pray for your dates. Bring the Holy Spirit. Bring God into the relationship. And I love the fact that when Jesus was walking on earth, he used to pray for us. Amen? And in heaven, he's up there doing what for us right now? He's interceding. He's still working for us. So Solomon sees this dark, beautiful Israeli girl. He pursues her. He gets her. Now, the story is that he actually goes away, but he promises he'll come back. Can you see the analogies here between Christ and us? Jesus went where? He went away, but he promised he'd what? Come back. He went away as a man. Who's he coming back as? The king. Look at this. I like this. Song of Songs 8 verse 5. And this is the wedding. Remember I said Jesus wants to romance you. He's going to marry you. He's going to marry the church. And what does that mean? It means he's going to come back for us and we're going to be with him and he's going to be with us and we'll never be separated again. And he uses the analogies through scripture of marriage. He says, I'm coming back to marry the church. When he comes in the clouds of heaven, when he splits the sky open and there's angels from one end to the other, he's coming back to get his bride, the church, you so he can marry her. And she's a beautiful thing. He's pursued her. He's paid for her. He's prayed, he's interceded for her. And now he's coming back for her. Song of Songs 8 verse 5. Who is this sweeping in from the desert, leaning on her lover? I aroused you under the apple tree where your mother gave you birth. Can you imagine it? As Solomon goes back to that village in the desert, that girl who saw a village boy walk away that she's in love with, she dreams about him. Read the book. It's beautiful. She dreams about... Do you dream about me, Lizka? Good dreams or bad dreams? Okay, we'll talk later about that. And he comes back. And when he comes back for her, he's not a village boy. He's not a shepherd. He's the mighty king of Israel. And he comes back and he marries her. And they live happily ever after. Amen? Amen. It's a marriage. And Jesus is coming back for us. He looks at you. You're beautiful. He wants you. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing you now. He wants you. He's paid for you. He's praying. He's interceding for you. He's coming back for you. And all you've got to do is say, yes, Lord, here I am. Come into my heart and Jesus will come for you. The clouds will split open. You will go to heaven to be with him. And the very first thing we do there is we participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's the marriage of Jesus with his church. Now I'm going to give you an example of this. It is not fake. 
it is real, we're going to have a marriage. And so what you're about to participate in right now is the most ancient ordinance of all, where God brings together a man and a woman and he makes them one. And by the way, you're going to see a miracle here today. Did you know that? A miracle because you saw two people enter this church and you'll see them go out as one. It's a miracle. Again, giving us a little insight into God where we have three who are one. Today, you come together to get married. And I want to just say a couple of things because I've already preached. (laughs) And then we'll marry you. I want to first speak to Steve. You're about to, and you are a Christian, you're a Christian gentleman. And I thank God that you've come into Carrie's life. I think I've known Carrie for a long time now. This is the second church I've pastored that Carrie's been a part of. And the first time I met you, I don't know whether I said it to you or not. I think I did. I said, this guy is special. And this might go somewhere. Looks like it has, eh? (laughs) You're about, you're a Christian gentleman. You believe in Jesus. You believe that his blood and the cross has saved you. You're a man of faith. From today onwards, you become the priest, the head of this home. And I challenge every marriage that I participate in and every husband I speak with with this challenge. Steve, it is your role, it is your role to take your family to worship and to God every day. Your role. Take it seriously. Be the priest and the father of your home. Bring Jesus into the family through family worship, morning and evening. And ensure your family knows Jesus Christ. You do that. You love Carrie. You love Carrie and Carrie alone. You will have fulfilled your duty as a husband. And God will say, well done, good and faithful servant when he returns. Carrie, you've got a man in your life. Must have been a bachelor who said that. <laughs> it certainly wasn't female. <laughs> he comes with all the weaknesses and all the strengths that men come with. God asks you, and it's not so popular to say this in this day and age that we live in, but God does ask you to serve him. And when he says serve you, he actually means he wants you to love him. God wants you to love him. Now Steve's going to have ups and downs. He's going to be on the mountain sometime. He's going to be in the valley. This guy comes to you. He's not 21. And he does have some challenges. We've seen Steve go through some miracles with his health already, haven't we? And we've seen God work some great things through this man. But he'll need your support And he'll need your love. And if he has that, he will shine. Now I could I could say I could say a a whole lot of things to you here and keep you here for a couple of hours, but I won't. I just want to leave you with one more thing. Marriage is not about the wife and the husband. Marriage is about the wife, the husband, and God. And I can wish you guys a whole lot of things. 
dare I wish you a whole lot of children? <laughs> no, I'm not wishing you well. If it happens, we'll rejoice. We're always for new hope growing. <laughs> I could wish you for health. I could wish you for financial happiness. I could wish you for success in this life. But if I could wish you one thing, and I really mean this, I wish you Jesus. Because if you have Jesus, together you will be successful. You will be happy and your house will be a light on the hill. So now we're going to do the vows. Carrie, do you take Steve to be your husband? I do. To love him in good times, in badness, in bad times, in sickness and in health until Jesus comes or you go to sleep? I do. You do? Did you hear that? Yes. She does. Hallelujah. Steve, do you take Carrie to be your wife? To love her in good times and bad times? To love her in sickness? To love her in health? Until you go to sleep and die? Or until Jesus comes? Absolutely. He does. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to pronounce you... I'm going to pronounce them husband and wife again and we're going to get them to kiss again. Amen. (laughs) I think you enjoyed those kisses, Steve. We're going to to sign the registry and Shamila and Praveen, her, her two friends, are going to sing a beautiful song. Thank you. Two hearts can come together And love can last forever But now that I have found you I believe That a miracle has come When God sends His perfect one Now God are all my questions about I've never been so sure of anything in my life I wonder what God was thinking When He created you I wonder if He knew everything I would need Because He made all my dreams When God made you, you must have been thinking about me.
was thinking when he created you. I wonder if he knew everything I would need because he made all my dreams come true. It's always very special when God puts together a family like this. Amen. A marriage is still one of those really positive, wonderful gifts that God has given us. I think that's probably one of the reasons it's under so much attack because it is such a beautiful gift. And I'm listening to that beautiful song and I watch these two and they're in love. Look at them. Aren't they? They truly are in love. Hallelujah. God has brought you together. It really is a beautiful thing. And I can't help but think what a beautiful thing it is going to be when we get to heaven and Jesus marries his church. Amen? Amen. It's been a long, long wait. But soon he's coming back for his bride. And I can't wait. May theirs be great happiness and joy through the challenges of life and together may they stand when you return with their family, no one missing, to meet you in the clouds of the sky. And bless each person here as we close this service. May they also be ready to meet you, Jesus, and may together we all be there to watch you marry your church. We long for that day, Jesus. May it be soon and save us through your blood, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a privilege for me to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Steve and Carrie Englert.